All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Welcome, welcome. If you're tuning in online, welcome. My name's Dan. I'm the associate pastor here. Um, I will give you guys permission. If you guys would like to quick adjust your seats to get in the shade, feel free to. Got some more shade over here. Um, I'm happy that my face is just in the shade up here, to be totally honest with you. It is a bright, sunny day, so happy summer to you guys. Um, we're going to be jumping into uh, this series. We've been going through the Lord's Prayer. Um, as a congregation. Dan Lewis started us last week, and the Lord's Prayer is one of those things that uh, maybe you're from a very traditional Christian background, and you've known this for all of your life. Maybe you're tuning in for the first time. Normally, you're not normally a church person, and you're tuning in today, or you're here today, um, and you're like, I don't even know what that is, and that's okay. Wherever we are, I think prayer is really, really important. In fact, if we look at all of history, how many different times and places do people pray? Not just within Christianity, but all sorts of beliefs. See, prayer is one of those things that I think we approach it and it's something to connect with a higher power or a higher purpose. And so whether we realize it or not, probably at some point in our lives, whether we've followed Jesus for a long time or not, we've probably prayed in some capacity. And so we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer, and, and, and we're going to get more into this, you guys, but we're going to kind of jump right into this. But before we do, I want to ask you guys to put, for just, for just a moment, whatever you think prayer should look like, I want you guys to just set that aside for a moment. Because what Jesus is going to do before he even gets into the instruction on the Lord's Prayer, he tells us how not to pray. And so, whatever we think, whatever you think prayer should look like, whatever you think prayer should look like or sound like, I want you guys to set that aside for a second because Scripture tells us right here what it should look like. And so we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. If you guys have the Bible app, go ahead. You got your Bibles, pull it up. Um, and I think at this core of who we are, we desire this connection with God. We desire something more. We want purpose. We want meaning. And prayer is one way we can experience that to connect, to have relationship. And so this is what Jesus says before we even get into the Lord's prayer. He says this, he says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. So here, here we're just going to pause here for a second because of course we are going to pray. We're going to pray as we worship and sing. We are going to pray during a sermon but just because me or JP or Thomas or whoever it is is up here, that is not the only place for prayer. Sunday mornings is not the only place for prayer. Public worship is not the only place for prayer. Of course, it can exist here. This is not the only place. In fact, it's really easy for someone like myself to get up here for a couple minutes and just pray off a really good sounding prayer for a couple moments. Prayers aren't wordy. They're not overly complicated. So he goes, beware. 
Beware. Truly I tell you, continuing on in verse 5, truly I tell you, they've received the reward in full, these hypocrites. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And when your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. You don't need to have all your words together. You don't need to have the most eloquent speech You don't need to know all the Bible or Christian terms. Do not be like them, verse 8, for your father knows what you need before you even ask. And that's important. Before we even get into the Lord's Prayer, he knows what you need before you even ask. Therefore, what you are asking for maybe isn't exactly what you need because God knows what you need. So then Jesus says this, this is how you should pray. And Dan opened us up last week with our Father in heaven and he opened up this whole, the, the whole prayer that Jesus instructs us. Verse nine, Matthew six, verse nine. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And today we are gonna look at just The hallowed be your name. What does that mean? Why does Jesus include it in this? What is our response to that? He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is, is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So there it is. You ever wonder what you should say to God? There it is, Matthew chapter 6. You ever wonder how you should approach him? There it is. But what I want us to do here, you guys, and this is important as we get going here, I want you to notice the direction of the first two verses. Verses 9 and 10, they're not about me. They're not about you. How often do we come and approach our prayers? And I I raise my hand because I do this all the time. I come and I go, God, would you please make... uh, your purpose for my life clear. What do you want me to do? God, would you give me this? How many times do you or myself, do we approach God in prayer and before we even get going, we are making it about ourselves and what we think we need or want? But when Jesus instructs us to approach this Father in heaven, the first two are directionally pointed towards him. Have nothing to do with us. And so that's where we're going to stay today. And JP is going to continue on next week, hashing out the following verses. But today, our direction is very one, one directional. This prayer starts focused on this Holy Father, or hallowed, hallowed. What does this even mean? And so quite simply, if you have the app open, it's on there too, but I'll, I'll, I'll definitely mention it here. Basically, it's holy or set apart. So as we start this prayer, our Father in heaven, holy or set apart is what? Your name. Your name. That's what's holy. That's what's set apart. What does that mean? To render or acknowledge. For us, he is asking us to render or acknowledge a position and a title that he and he alone has. Or another definition is to separate from profane things and dedicate to God. You see, what he's asking us to do is go, okay, before we get into 
before we get into the nitty gritty and all the details of, of life and uh, just our prayers to him, have you made that space, set apart that space for him above everything else? And if you guys are anything like me, your, your prayers probably start, God, what do you want me to do? Uh, God, what do you have for me today? And, and these, these are good things to be praying, you guys. But too often do I jump in without even realizing, man, I haven't even acknowledged who you are. And that's how this verse starts. What's really, really neat, you guys, is that this first verse 9, this, this first phrase in this prayer, our Father in heaven, our Father, this connection, this relational figure that he is, we're created in his image. He wants us to go back and forth. He wants us to pray. He wants to be in that connection with us. Our Father, he sympathizes with us. He cares for us. He relates to us. And at the same time, his name and position are much different than ours. It is set apart. So just in this very, very first phrase, we see this close, connected, relational, sympathetic God. And at the same time, this holy, set apart, no one can touch you. And so with that being said, I want us to look into a couple examples of holiness, because that's, that's our word today, holy. Holy is your name. Set apart or hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. And we see this in, a, in a Exodus chapter 3. This is a pretty, uh, pretty common, um, and so a lot of you guys probably will recognize this story, but this is Moses. Moses in the Old Testament. Now, Moses had a pretty sketchy background, which caused him to flee out of Egypt, and now he's just working a blue-collar job. He's herding sheep. This is a normal, everyday job. And he's out in the wilderness herding his sheep and taking care of them. And of course, he looks off into the distance and he sees a bush burning. And that's where we're going to pick up. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he, fed, he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had, uh, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Verse 5, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Take off your sandals. Take off the dirtiness. Take off the filth. You've been walking around in the desert for days and days. Take off your shoes, because the presence and where you are right now, this is to be set apart. Where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now I imagine none of us this morning woke up and were scared to come to church this morning. 
We recognize God's presence is here. And so my question for us this morning, where did this reverence go? Where did the reverence that we see in the Old Testament and Moses and this genuine fear confronting the presence of God, where has this gone? And now I don't want you guys to be scared to come to church, of course, but I want us to think about this question a little bit. Before we just hop in our cars, before we just come and take communion and listen to a sermon and worship, where did this reverence go? We see it all over the Old Testament. In fact, um, Exodus 19, God is about to descend onto Mount Sinai. Now Moses has led the people out of, out of the wilderness, or into the wilderness, out of Egypt. I'm sorry. And so God's done all these miracles and they seem to do all this stuff and now God is going to descend onto this mountain. And this is what he says. The Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them. Basically set them apart. Today and tomorrow, have them wash their clothes. Be ready by the third day because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain. Tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. After Moses had gone down from the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed all of their clothes. And he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day and abstain from sexual relations. This is how you are to be set apart. This is, this is a holy God. Don't be distracted by sex. Don't be distracted by what's going on. Set yourselves apart. Prepare for my holiness. And so once again, I ask, where has this reverence gone? Where has this kind of dedication gone? If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which he is, which the Bible makes very, very clear, why has this changed so much? Where has my reverence for him gone? Because I, now to be very, very clear, you guys, um, and we'll get into this, with Jesus coming, um, he fulfilled these Old Testament laws so that we no longer have to be required to offer sacrifices and all these ceremonial cleansings and all that. Jesus accomplished that on the cross. But our God in heaven is, Still holy. His position, his title has not changed. So where has this reverence gone? And I ask that because I look at my life first, you guys. I go, how often do I approach prayer and just go, oh, God, I need this today. Uh, it would be great if you could do this. I really want you to do this. Would you make this clear for me? And I jump right in. Dirty laundry and everything. I jump right in in the middle of my mess, in the middle of my life, and forget to acknowledge his place. Guys, and we see this, I, we, I mean, we don't have time to go through all the examples, but just think of Esther. Why was Esther so brave? Because her taking the initiative to approach the king could, he could put her to death. 
because she was not invited. And that's how set apart that position was as a king. You don't just, you don't just waltz into the king's courtroom. And if you do, he can put you to death. No problem, no questions asked. So we don't have time to go through all these examples. Where did this go? Augustine, um, who's a very famous church father, he makes, this, he makes this helpful, I think, for our understanding this morning. And he says this. And we're talking about the, the holy is your name, the set apart. Why do we pray that? Why is this important? And he says, this is prayed for, not as the name of God were not holy already, but that it may be held holy by men and women. I.e. that that God may so become known to them that they shall reckon nothing more holy and which they are more afraid of offending. You see, this isn't some Greek mythology where the gods exist off of the worship They become more powerful, more present because of the worship. No, no, no. God stands alone. He doesn't need that. What he's asking of you and for me in this prayer, holy be your name, is going, would you place me there? Would you place me there above everything else? So when we pray this to God, we respond in reverence. And I want us, guys, I want you to think through of, again, the Old Testament written a long, long time ago. Life, society looks a lot different. Cultural things look a lot different. But this prayer stays the same. And I ask you this question. When was the last time you approached God in complete and utter reverence? Because that is due him. He he does not require it. He is asking, would you consider putting me there? Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name, would you place me there? Would you trust me there? Would you let go of control for me there? And when we begin to address God, we should begin with his holiness because when we do that, everything else is secondary. Our requests, even the giving us today our daily bread, this all becomes secondary. And we see this in the Ten Commandments, the very first commandment. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. And I heard a pastor say this. I don't remember who. But when we follow this commandment, the rest of them fall into line. You see, if we truly keep God at his place up here, the rest fall into line. And we will follow them. And just like we, uh, uh, we see uh, Jesus say in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second one's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What is he saying? All the instructions, all of life, all of existence hinges on this one concept to put God at a place in your life above everything else. These are not inward focused. This is not focused on Dan's needs. This is not focused on Dan's thoughts or my ideas, my directions. This is simply approaching God 
as Moses did at this burning bush and go, oh my goodness, I'm approaching the God of the universe. I need a, I need to shut up for a second. Because where he stands in my life is above everything else. And all too often, you guys, I'm the guilty one just rushing into God, dumping my stuff on him, and then getting back to what I wanted to do. This is the beauty of the Lord's Prayer. That if you were wondering, how do you connect with God? How do you find purpose? How do you have this relationship? He tells you right here. Start here. Start here. You don't need, a, you don't need some seminary degree. You don't need to pray like me or JP or Thomas or anyone else up here. You don't need, this is, this is between you and God and here's your, here's how you do it. I guarantee you, I promise you, if you take time to follow through this prayer, you will see God start to transform your life and your perspective of him. These are not inward focused. In fact, our example, um, and then, um, I'm going, to share, I'm going to share a bit here. And just so you guys know, uh, I'm a crier, so I might cry at any moment. I just, I, just, I just do that. I cry a lot. So that's okay. Don't be, like, taken aback by that or anything. But Jesus is our ultimate example of that. Jesus is, Jesus is the guy. Jesus is the one telling him to pray like this. In Hebrews it says, during the day of, Je- of Jesus' life on earth, they had observed Jesus. How did he work? How did he pray? And it says, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. See, Jesus prayed like this. They saw that. So when he instructs them to pray like this, they already know, oh yeah, we've seen you do this. And it says, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. His prayer was heard because of his reverent submission. Not because he phrased it perfectly. Not because he had all of his ducks in a row. Not even because he was the son of God or that he was perfect. He was heard because of his reverent submission. And this is why this is important. You see, God hears our cries. In fact, in Exodus, uh, where, 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 uh, where Moses is at there, he says, I've heard the cries of the people of Israel. I've heard them. He hears us. He sympathizes. That father, he hears and cares. But have we offered him a reverent submission? But now it gets, now it gets a little difficult because still talking about Jesus here in Hebrews says this, it says, son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. So he approached God in reverent submission, but then he learned obedience through his suffering. And we see that all over his prayer in Gethsemane. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey Just like, we'll just quick tag that on there. (laughs) Guys, I share with you guys this 
this whole thought today because this is, this is me. This is where I'm at. The struggle to follow and reverently submit to the God of the universe. To follow in Jesus' footsteps and go, God, your will be done in my life. Holy is your name, set apart. I share these things because these are very, very real things I've wrestled through. I've examined my life and I go, how, how many times have I just approached with my own selfish desires? My own agenda. I come into a prayer time already, already knowing what I want from God. Or at even times putting words in his mouth so that I receive what I want. Who here has done that? Yeah. And I've done this at many, many different points in my life. Many, many different points. And it, it, it never ends. I'm still challenged. I still need to be reminded. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is how I'm doing this. And I get in a groove. I'm human. And I get distracted and I forget about it. And I take God off of that high holy place, that set apart place, and I become selfish. But over the course of my life, you guys, this is uh, this prayer, this idea of prayer submitting, this reverent submitting is, is something I've wrestled with. I remember back in, uh, in Chicago, for those of you who uh, don't know my whole story, born and raised in Minnesota, went to school in Chicago, stayed there, um, got, got married. Uh, Jill and I stayed there. Um, and I remember as we were considering, considering coming to this church, Pomerado Christian Church in San Diego, I remember us praying and going, God, like, what, what do you have? Like, what, what do you have? And we actually happened to be sitting on our dining room floor, you know, just like you do. I, you guys sit on your dining room floor? I do. We were sitting on our dining room floor, and we looked over, and this had been weeks and weeks of, you know, praying and processing. And, you know, we both start crying, and we go, I think this is, I think God's taken us there. We've got to go. No, not because of the sunshine, not because of the beaches, not because Pomerado Christian Church is the best church on the block. We had to go because God told us to go. God started bringing this back up in my spirit in August, almost a year ago. Or I can't really explain it, you guys, but I gone on this, uh, my, my, my prayer, not all the time, but can look like these long, just kind of long walks uh, where I pray, I process, I try to just worship a lot, honestly, just recognize that, that holy place. And I, I come back to my house and I was just crying because I knew, I knew God was going to have something for me next. I can't really explain it other than this is something I've been trying to do for my entire life. This moment, just like my dining room floor in Chicago, happened to be on a late night street in downtown Escondido. Where God's going, Dan, I have something, I have something else for you to do. But he goes, don't go looking. I will, I will make it very, very clear. And so this has been a long time, and I, I did that. I've stayed here. I've, we've been, you know, do, excuse me, doing, all the, doing all the youth ministry stuff, especially coming out of COVID now, doing all this stuff. 
But lo and behold, God brought something very, very clear to my attention and his leading is inevitable to the point where I have to say, I have to go. And so at the end of July, I'm going to be transitioning from Pomerado. Not because I don't love you guys. Not because I don't feel supported. Not because I don't love the students. They do get under my nerves sometimes. No, I, actually, that will, be the, that will be the hardest thing. But God has something else for me. And if I am going to reverently submit to this God like I have been teaching about this morning, I have no choice but to go. If I'm going to hold to the teachings of Scripture like I have up here for six years with you guys and the students, I can't make excuses. In fact, we see Moses after he sees this burning bush. He's got all these excuses. He's going, God, but I'm not qualified to go. I'm just a shepherd. Who, who am I? What if they don't believe who you are? What if they doubt you? What if they don't listen to me? I'm just not gifted. I'm not a very good speaker. Guys, I've made these same excuses. I'm like, God, no, but I'm comfortable. I've got my groove here. I'm comfortable. The students, the families, this is awesome. I like it here. And sometimes I don't want to. I just don't want to. As we see Jesus cry over these same things in the garden, he's going, God, any other way, I don't want to do this. But out of reverent submission to you, I will do it. And so you guys have walked by me in the thick and the thin. You guys have walked by me as, as, as my wife is diagnosed with cancer. She slowly dies in front of me. You guys never once turned your back on me. I don't want I don't, I don't to leave this. It's not just an easy thing to, to pack up and go. But when God says, Dan, I, I need you somewhere else. In fact, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, 22 to 23. In fact, this has been like my commission to our seniors this year. It says, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. If there's something I need to do, something I need to become to reach those that need, need it, I need to do that. And so here's my final thing for us this morning, you guys, is God may call us or call you, he may call me, may call you, out of where you're comfortable to a place you are needed. God may, and it always works out like that. Man, I just got in a groove. I just got comfortable. And for me, he's taking me to the South Shore in the Boston area to work with a church, a very unchurched area with a lot of students that need Jesus. Just like I moved to Chicago to the students here, it's no different. Doesn't mean the students here don't matter. Nothing like that. 
I just have to be faithful. And so my question for us tonight is, or tonight, today, Scripture is very, very clear about this place, this holy place that God has in our lives. And I wanted you guys to hear that from me, but that's, that's not the point of the sermon. The point of the sermon isn't some announcement. The point of the sermon is to draw our hearts closer to our Creator. Have you offered that space for your Creator? And as you approach Him, as you approach Him as we go into communion here in just a little bit, I want you guys to do three things. I want you guys to just process in your, in your minds and as you pray, recognize him. Recognize this God for who he is. Hold off the requests. Hold off your desires. Hold off what you think you need. Just take some time to recognize his place. Holy is your name. Set apart is your name. And then before you get going, because I get, I get going, listen. Listen. Notice none of this is inward focused. This is, this is drawing our attention to a God who is set apart. Lastly, we obey him. And if that means coming from Chicago to San Diego, I'm in. And if that means moving from San Diego to the greater Boston area, I've got to go. Would you guys consider not moving like a billion miles, but would you consider putting yourself in that same place? To take our example from Jesus, who is the very definition of the Lord's Prayer, who prayed these same things, who positioned himself before the most difficult time in his life to go, God, you know what I want, and I do not want to do this. But out of reverent submission, I will do it. I will go. Recognize him. Listen to him. Obey him. All of that encapsulates this holy, set-apart, hallowed, reverent submission towards our creator. We're going to pray, um, but we're not going to pray. We're going to be careful how we pray today because Jesus has warned us how we shouldn't pray. So before we get into communion here, I want us to pray. But we're just going to, we're going to recognize who he is publicly as a congregation. We're going to recognize his place and his presence here this morning. And if you're tuning in online, your place in your living rooms and homes. Even if kids are screaming and running around. God doesn't change. Would you pray with me? Holy God, you are awesome.
and holy. You are all knowing. You know all things. You are all powerful. Nothing happens on this earth that you are not aware of. God, we also recognize the struggle in knowing that you can, you can interject at any moment. And we may not understand why you do sometimes and why you don't other times. But we recognize you have that place and that power and that ability. We recognize that we are nothing without you. We recognize that we would have no hope Unless Jesus came and died on that cross, we recognize that he is our example that we need to follow. Whether we like it or not, whether it's easy or not, we recognize that you are set apart. There is no one like you. There is no government like you. There is no leader like you. There is no person like you. There is no society like you. There is no perfection like you. There is no purpose without you. God, help us to listen to your voice. And I pray for each one of us here. God, I pray for the, the people here or tuning in that we would all just do this together. No one is forcing us, but I just pray, God, for myself and for us here that we would reverently submit to what you have for us. Because when we learn that, when we do that, we become obedient through following you. And for those that are maybe skeptical this morning, God, I pray that you would break down any doubt and you would bring in grace and forgiveness and mercy. If there's anyone here this morning that feels like they cannot approach God because of their past or they can't approach God because of, of things they've done or things that have happened to them, if they don't feel worthy or they don't feel qualified to be here, they don't feel able to address the God of the universe, holy, set apart. God, I just pray that you would remind them that this phrase starts our Father in heaven, our sympathetic, our relational, our caring Father. Remind them that they have a place at this table. God, thank you for Jesus. Help us to look to his example and follow in obedience just as he did. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.